This is the Rich Eisen Show. I love this. Rich Eisen is here. The mojo's back. Yeah, baby. <laughs> Live from the Rich Eisen Show studio in Los Angeles. I told you my favorite words I get to say in this microphone. The Rich Eisen Show. This is what we're talking about. Earlier on the show, host and creator of Roku's Honest Renovations, Jessica Alba, ESPN NBA insider Ramona Shelburne. Coming up, director of FX's Dear Mama, Alan Hughes. And now... It's Rich Eisen. Hour number three of the Rich Eisen Show is on the air, and we come on the air in hour number three of this program on this Friday, first Friday of May, leading to the Kentucky Derby weekend and then the furtherance of the NBA and NHL playoffs this weekend. We come on the air with Robert Sala of the New York Jets meeting with the media right now. Uh, He is slated to be our first guest next week, by the way. We got a great, great in-studio guest list next week. Our uh, buddy of this program, Kevin Pollack of uh, nice. Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, which is one of my favorite shows on television. Um, also, Ted Lasso's Jason Sudeikis slated to be here next week. They're all scheduled uh, to appear. Uh, the director of Dear Mama on FX, episode four of the five-part documentary that uh, airs tonight on FX. Um and streams the next day on Hulu. Alan Hughes is in our is in our uh, green room right now. We will bring him out to talk about this fabulous documentary and the rest of his work that we all love so much. He'll be joining us in studio hour number three. Jessica Alba already called in the program and uh, told us her uh, perspective of meeting Sauce Gardner and Aaron Rodgers. In a very hilarious way. In a very hilarious way. Um, and I like that she kept calling him kid. Yeah, kid, right? you notice kid. that? 20-year-old kid. <laughs> Like she was flattered that uh, Sauce might have been hitting on her friend. Mm-hmm. Can't wait to tell her that. She was like surprised that he might have been doing that. And obviously, I'm I wasn't there. I'm just trying to read into 280 characters on mm-hmm. Twitter. Him referring to himself as him because yeah. she remembered everything <laughs> that he said. <laughs> we said like two days later, you still two remember every word, word I said. Every word I said, I must be him. <laughs> I must be him. Like he needs more confidence. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, she said she was struck by the fact that a young man came up. You know, his her husband's name is. Cash, yeah. Cash Warren, um, and how she's used to seeing, you know, knowing a, a, a unique name. Kid walked up with his drip, uh, this sauce. Sauce. His parents must have really liked Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I just, I didn't want to interrupt and say, you know, his, his name is Ahmed. You know, I, I didn't want to. <laughs> they didn't really name him. I didn't, I didn't want, but I didn't want to interrupt her flow. No, you could. He called himself sauce, right? <laughs> oh, he's just, I don't know how that. And, and as I said, came. everybody needs to back off <laughs> him for not knowing her because he is uh, a unicorn who needs to be treated very, very <laughs> gently with love and nurturing because it affects my life greatly. That's my man right there. Correct. That's Holler, it. Holler as, as, another, as, another, as another Staten Islander would say, that's Method Man. That's one of my favorite drops. Holler at your boy. That's sauce. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Shaolin. Uh, at any rate, um, Alan Hughes will be coming out here shortly on yeah, the program. To Great this chat one. with Ramona Shelburne. She believes that um, that we'll see Butler back, but when Butler comes back, he won't be the same. Hopefully, his his ankle's got the Mahomes in it. You know the right. treatment he's going. They, they call up Kansas City for for their version of treatment. Unfortunately for them, uh, there's not a week between games. Oh wait a minute, I'm being told that they're not playing tonight. So there's that. The Knicks hopefully get an extra day to get Julius Randle back in the game. And if Julius is back in the game, 
and keeps advancing, that means Jessica Alba has more front uh, front row tickets because that's who she said hooked hooked her up with tickets. So they last played Tuesday. Yeah, and they then they are going to play Saturday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah how the hell? I mean. Can we well, get these days off? Lakers, if only the Clippers had that, right? <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, Lakers, Warriors every other night. Celtics, Sixers every other night. What do you mean if we could get these days off? We're, we're a daily <laughs> no, show. I don't, well, you said Sixers. He or meant, you said oh, Clippers. Meant and I meant, yeah, I, meant Clippers. I thought he meant like, you know, I'm sitting that, right here. I think no, it's, no, no. Did you really take, <laughs> yeah. you take it like that? Del Tufo's the only one who gets four Remember, days off. Remember, I'm the guy who's never missed a day of work, so I wouldn't think What that. is he doing tonight that's required him to miss today's program? Do we know? I have no idea. Probably USFL. Yeah, well, I'm gonna set up and then attend the Angels up. and then. Uh, <laughs> Somebody's got to make sure that the seven win A's sound great on FS1. No hitter to seven. Have everything ready. That's the guy. <laughs> they lost the game. Man, how's last place? Can I say this, by the way, before we get to? You can say the, whatever you want, fine, really. Whatever, like. The Yankees are. The Yankees are. No, 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 no. It's fine. It's fine. You're trolling me a week ago about being 500. How's last place? Well, you know what? Things can change really quick. You know how it started and how it's going are totally different. The Yankees are 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 injury racked, and I assume that won't happen all season long. You know, so we'll see. Um, you know, your your team just sucked out of the gate with everyone that you had. So you know, Yoshida was a little hurt, and he's on fire right now. By the way, he's been terrific. Can I chime in real quick before we get to what's more likely on, on Wander Franco and the play that went viral while I was at <laughs> yeah, um, that I went. I loved it. It was the coolest uh, that, that, thing I've well, seen this year. <laughs> well, it just, I, I can't understand how um, a league that is being lauded about pace of play that people now that it's going fast. It's going great. Pace of play is, is, is great. We, we got a better pace of play and it's a better product. People are now, there are some who are now complaining about a pace of a throw. <laughs> Is that it? Pace of throw wasn't fast enough because he flipped the ball in the air. Look, Wander Franco, if he's flipping the ball in the air and catching it and throwing the first and doing that, and if he's late on the throw, you know what he won't do again? That? Correct. <laughs> So he's only messing with his own opportunity to throw somebody out, yeah. you know, and, and I saw that. I'm like, well, you're playing with your own fire kid, you know, like do, do that, do that with Otani. Try that one on for size. Do that with, you know, name anybody who can get down a first. And by the way, as we all know, part of the pace of play rules and everything else come larger bases. So you better collect that ball and make the throw. I saw it, and I honestly didn't think a thing about it. No. And maybe I'm being too naive. It was cool. Cool. It's great. Like, he, if that's what he wants to do, and they're feeling great, and by the way, they're like the, the 84 Tigers right now, winning 26, the, the, the last team that won 26 of their first 32 are the 84 Tigers. And they're just, they're coming to New York right now. They are ready to just destroy the Yankees who are, you know, I'm assuming still without everybody, mm -hmm. then fine. You know, and you don't like it, then beat the throw. You don't like it, then, you know, I, I, I honestly don't know. Like, did that ruin the game? Like, are we? did it really ruin baseball? We're talking about it, right? 
I mean, plus, Rich, what if we we didn't see the little play? What if the first baseman was a little late getting to the bag, and he was just like, you know, no, pacing them? That's yeah. the same way as Brockman saying maybe it wasn't a Patriot fan who trolled that Atlanta Falcons super fan during the draft. Maybe it was a Saint fan. Well, it could have been like, a Saint fan. It, it could have been correct. They hate the, each other. Uh, the first baseman may not have been there in time, but he wasn't. <laughs> By the way, that, that dude, ball, that was like a room service. That was a, like he, he wasn't just flipping the ball in the air because his teammate wasn't ready to, to receive it. No, that was no. He's watch, feeling himself. He's feeling himself. I, this went, team, I went yard earlier in the game. We're killing team, everybody. They are exactly that's this. exactly what it is. Yeah, it was great. More of that. It's just like bat flipping. We love bat flipping. Uh, this is ball flipping. It's the exact same thing. The bat flipping thing is just like, you know what? Your pitcher is going to give one up. You might as well just treat the uh, everyone like they deserve to be treated. And, and you know, I see it in Little League games. You know, my son's finishing up his regular season schedule. There's a couple of teams that, you know, that show show up other kids. And it's just like. They're not like, showing up other kids. They're having fun know. and enjoying their own moment. I mean, you know, look, I, I, I'm. I, I the bat flipping I could do without the ball flipping. It's just like, hey man, it's gonna be on you if the guy beats the runner, exactly. and then it'll be up to the manager to say, you know, or the, another teammate to pull him aside and like, let's not do that. It's not like he's showing somebody up like I got you. You know, like you're actually running the risk of that extra flip. You don't catch it, yeah. or is, or or when you do grab it, you're not gripping the ball properly. I mean, that one that one's on you. The other thing is, you know, with a bat flip, it's like your pitcher will most likely give one up tonight. Your team will most likely give one up tonight. And do you want your pitcher to have that happen? I don't know. Also, was this ball flip, was this a one-time thing? Yeah, I haven't I, seen it yet. I've first, never first, seen him do it before, yeah, yeah, so yeah. it's like, what's the big deal? I haven't seen it yet. The Friday, yeah, there it is. I mean, look at that. He's looking at it. <laughs> I mean, and the Rays are just so dominant right now. It's it was, ridiculous. I don't know. I and he's feeling stop, it. I couldn't stop watching it. He's feeling it. a dozen times. He's feeling it. But again, it. pace of play is so important. But pace of throw, now we're going crazy, right? <laughs> Boy, everything's moving so fast. And that was not fast enough. Yeah. Pace of throw. All right. It's a Friday staple. It's called What's More Likely. Let's hit it before Alan Hughes comes out here to talk about his documentary, Dear Mama. Hit it, please. What's more likely? Never say never, but never. All right, Christopher, what do we got over there? What right, do you we'll have go, for we'll me? We'll go fast. We'll go fast. We'll, start, right. with, we'll start with Lamar Jackson. We got time. Hey, did you hear he signed a new I did. contract yesterday? I did, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, in the next five years, what's more likely? Lamar throws for 6,000 yards in a season, or the Ravens win a Super Bowl? Uh, I will say Ravens win a Super Bowl. Nobody's throwing for 6,000 <laughs> yards in a season. I, I disagree. Okay. Someone will. Okay. 17th game. Passing is just getting even more prolific. I got it. I got it. I don't think we'll ever see that number hit, but maybe I'm wrong, and I don't think Lamar's going to be the one to do it. Now They run it too much, man. Let me tell you something. J.K. Dobbins, if he doesn't get the ball 15 times a game put in his belly button, he's going to go nuts. <laughs> he wants it, and they should give it to him, by the way. They should give it to him. And, you know. Uh, Odell's I, not there to run Winning block. a Super Bowl is more likely than a 6,000-yard season. What else? Starting right now, today, May 5th, who's more likely to win multiple court, uh, playoff games first? Jordan Love or Aaron Rodgers? Rodgers. Get out of here with this whole Jordan. <laughs> Get out of here. Don't, what do you mean? Don't. Dude. Come on. 
NFC, come on. not stacked. Come on. AFC, I know what you think incredibly of the stacked. I know what you think of the Jets and the Jets Let's always see. stink. A history of being a great franchise for years. as long as we've known them okay. or the Jets. Okay, don't insult me. That's my answer. I'm not even going to give you an answer other than don't insult me. Insulting who? So Jordan Love's going to win multiple playoff games before Aaron Rodgers? What if Aaron Rodgers only plays one year? I'll ask you the question. What's more likely for you? Jordan Love's going to answer your own question. Yeah, you pose I, me. I, I'm the host. Answer your own question. <laughs> you pose me. All right, next. Uh-huh. <laughs> Seriously. Come on, man. Come on. So then why didn't they why didn't they give Jordan Love a three or four year contract? Why do they just they just like they're still waiting seeing this whole time. They're still hedging a bet. They get rid of Rodgers. They finally get the runway that they finally want. But we haven't seen enough of them yet. But we got to see him first before we get, which I totally understand. When was the last time Aaron Rodgers but was good in the playoffs? But we're hedging bets. But we're hedging bets. When was the last time Rodgers was good in the playoffs? Ugh. Right, last well, time they played on. the Cowboys. I mean, well, you don't like facts? Okay. okay. All right, great. Okay, okay. Great. I'm going to make it awkward every Same single week. intensity. I want it. Same energy. By the way, time, remember, next week we're going to know the Remember that you wanted it. The Patriots play just the Just remember. Just remember that you wanted I got it. it. I will remember. Okay. I won't lose that intensity either. Great. All right, Titans quarterback. Start more games this year. Will Levis or Ryan Tannehill? Uh, I'll still go Tannehill. I'll still go Ryan Tannehill. Man, I, I you know, I, I know I gave the top five list of biggest mysteries going into the season. I could have included Tannehill and the and the Titans, but I think a lot of folks would retort, what, "What's so mysterious about a team that's clearly in a rebuild?" Um. So, um, not that far removed from the I, I still, um, unless Tannehill gets hurt, I think they still intend to play him and give Levis the, 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 um, watch year, you know, give him a year of observation. So, um, that, that clearly, um, you know, Andy Reid was on the show on Monday, absolutely thought it was imperative to give, yeah. Uh, Mahomes the the year that he got watching Alex Smith so I'll I'll, I'll go Tannehill I'll go Tannehill on that one all right first round running back you're drafting first in fantasy this year Bijan or Jabir uh, you know what uh, you still have to go Bijan but the whole let me tell you something the Jameer Gibbs story you know the more we're removed from the draft the more I hear that I we're gonna Detroit was like going to take him at six yeah and that as he was dropping, that's who teams were trading up to go get. And there were some people that thought the Eagles were moving up to go get him. Oh. You know, and obviously we forgot about their Georgia Bulldog affixation <laughs> and how, you know, Jalen Carter was dropping. Right. But there's all sorts of talk as to who was going to take Jameer Gibbs if the, if the Lions weren't hopping on him at 12. That said, I still think everyone's going to take Bijan because he's a bell cow type guy, despite obviously the Falcons having a ton of guys who could run it. Um, I don't know. We'll see what happens. But at this point in time, I think Bijan will st- probably be a, a higher pick in fantasy. And I'm only saying that to cover my tracks with my own fantasy draft right now. That's called three-dimensional. Uh, What's more likely? You got one more? You got yeah, of course. Of course. Okay. I got a few more. All right. 49ers quarterback stock. Oh, God. You'd rather own this season Trey Lance or the guy sitting courtside last night. How about 
How about Brock Purdy? I'd rather own stock that one. Uh, Rich, he hasn't thrown a football. I got yet. it. I still and, rather. And I'd it's still, still a month away it. from throwing a I'd football. I still rather own it. Really? Yeah. Sam Darnold's courtside with George Someone. Kittle and Someone. Christian McCaffrey. Is Jessica Alba playing for the Jets or just meeting the Jets? Doesn't Where? matter who's courtside. What do you care? Well, Jessica Alba's not on the team. How do you know what Trey Lance? Trey Lance may be somewhere. You know, where's, well, where's Trey so, Lance? So Trey's not at the Warrior game. So of course he's he's out. Wow. Would I, I'd rather have Trey Lance's stock. How about that? Okay. Certainly since he's going to play games for somebody else this year. Hey. <laughs> My man. But man, the, the Sam Darnold bandwagon. Get get, get your tickets now because they'll soon be asking you to get off for a future bandwagon, he's man. He's dapping up Clay last night. It's I mean, oversold. It's oversold. Sam Darnold. Courtside. Not seeing ghosts for the Jets Courtside anymore, and and and, and the Kittle. first the first three weeks of the Matt Rule season, uh, MVP Sam Darnold is going to show up in San Francisco because he's. I mean, uh, they're going to sprinkle the Shanahan dust on him, and it's going to be awesome. He de- he deserves it. Wouldn't you? Like I'm not to see saying Sam he doesn't Darnold? deserve it. Wouldn't you like to see Sam Darnold shine? Seeing ghosts. You got one more. Last one. Uh, here we go. More more likely uh, AFC team. To make the Super Bowl, one of the big three, KC, Cincinnati, Buffalo, or the field. Um, I'll take. Uh, I'll, I'll still take the. I'll still take the three on the screen, man. At Dalton Kincaid drafting really, was really, really good, good and, and yeah. the and the Bengals the Bengals drafted people to go hunt Mahomes and 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 put points on the board for Burrow. I'll still take one of those three. Which one would you take? Oh, I think I'd still take a big three. Would you take the big three too? Over, over, over the, the rest field? of the field, yeah. <sighs> yeah. I mean, look, Patrick Mahomes. That's all I'm going to say. I know. I can't like, say. It, say how can you not bet on I this? I mean, dude, I got free barbecue in that town after what I said. So. Good for you. You're back. I'm back. You're back. Oh, Bo Jackson just scored his second touchdown of the night. <laughs> Was it the 90 yarder? Uh, yeah. I'm like Bo he Jackson. He just ran into the tunnel. He to just the ran into the tunnel hey. on NFL Network. <laughs> yep, there he is. I mean, this is happening on NFL Network right now. Look at the replay. He got the ball on the five yard line, and then he's out the gate. And see ya. That just happened, and Kenny Easley's not going to get him. I wonder what his fastest 40 of that. Oh, my God. 91 yards. Like three, eight, probably. (laughs) He went in the tunnel looking for Ken Phelps. All right. We'll take a break here. Alan Hughes coming up next, talking about Tupac and so much more. The director of FX's Dear Mama when we return. Let's talk game time. Boy, do we love using game time tickets at the Rich Eisen Show. And every single time I've been watching the basketball playoffs on TV, I've been wondering what it would be like to be at these games. And when you choose your tickets on game time, you can see the view from your seat where the court is, where you are in relation to it. And then the all-in prices, that's my favorite feature. The all-in prices makes sure that you see the lowest price guarantee and also know exactly how much everything costs costs all in before you purchase. So all the guesswork is removed when you buy playoff tickets with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account and use my code RICH for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Visit gametime.co for restrictions. Again, create an account, redeem my code RICH for $20 off your first purchase. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. 
Hey, folks, it's time for the NFL draft, which means for me, I need a good night's sleep because if I don't have one, I'm just not myself. You know the deal. You know exactly how important it is to have quality sleep. It's a game changer for all of us. So sleep number helps me. My sleep number setting is 60. My wife's setting is 70. We both get a great night's sleep because we could adjust the firmness of our mattress on each side. Improve your quality sleep because Sleep Number learns how you sleep thanks to their smart beds and provide personalized insights to help you sleep better. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Back here on our Rich Eisen Show Roku channel live stream with our Rich Eisen Show radio audience. Alan Hughes, the director of FX's Dear Mama, Again, an episode airing tonight, episode four of all five uh, tonight on FX, streams the next day on Hulu. This is amazing. Why did you do this, Alan? I wasn't sure I wanted to do it at first, but when I realized I didn't understand him the way I wanted to understand Tupac and also realizing I was raised by a single mother on welfare who was a feminist and at the forefront of the women's rights movement. So I related to that with his mother. And I said, wow, if I can tell his story through the prism of his mother's journey Mm -hmm. in multiple parts, I'll do it. And I I pitched it to the estate and they were with it, you know. And I think what I most didn't understand about Tupac is that last year of his life on death row seemed so detached from his first 23, 24 years as a social justice warrior and an advocate for human rights and women's rights and Mm -hmm. You know, he seemed to have given into the excesses of being a rock star, and I couldn't make sense of that. And I think that's why I took on the project. Well, let's get into the conflict that you just referred to um, right there, Alan Hughes. Your first time you met Tupac was when? I met him in 91 at a Waffle House in San Francisco with all of Digital Underground, which he was a part of at the time. Mm-hmm. But he was not famous yet. His album, first album, Tupacalypse Now, had not dropped. Juice had not come out. Mm-hmm. I didn't know it was in the can. And I'm sitting at this Waffle House, and there's this 19-year-old at the end of the table, Shock G, Money B, all the personalities were there. But he stood out as the funniest. He was roasting everyone at the table, Mm -hmm. Uh, the most charismatic. And there's just something about him. People say, how do you know when you meet him? How how did you? It's like saying, how do you know it's a bonfire right there? You feel the heat. Mm-hmm. And you put your hand, it gets burnt. Like he was, it was that obvious. This kid was a star. He's different, special. That's special, right. definitely special. You, even if you didn't intellectually know it, mm-hmm. your body and your spirit felt it. You felt it. Okay. When did you first work with him then? Soon after that, um, he called us for his first music video. Probably one month later, uh, he he asked. He said, "Look, I'm going to have my record label call you guys." When I met him, mm-hmm. I saw your short films. I didn't believe him. Like this, whatever, you know. Right. Um, a month later, we're on the set of Trapped, his first single, and that belong, began a year-long friendship and working relationship that ended kind of violently. So then what, can you <laughs> get into the, the end of it, uh, if you don't mind? This well, is the, you and your brother were involved yeah. in all this stuff, right? Well, we, you know, we had, uh, we had the script for Menace Society, which sold, we sold to New Line at the time, mm-hmm. New Line Cinema, and they said they won't green light it unless we had a platinum recording artist. And he agreed to play a supporting role because he didn't want to play the main role because he was committed to John Singleton in, um, in, in, the, in the film space. 
And as we started rehearsals, you know, his star was rising and he was becoming a little more erratic. I didn't understand why. And he just kept disrupting the rehearsals and it was just, I mean, it was yelling. It was crazy. So I, I tried, I tried, I tried. And he, he just wouldn't, um, he wouldn't reason, he wouldn't listen to reason. So I ended up having to fire him. And some months later, after the film was ready and we're doing the music videos for the soundtrack, we weren't directing the music video. We showed up. Mm-hmm. He had 10 guys plied with alcohol and weed and, and an attack took place on me. On uh, you? Yep. Did you get hurt? Oh, I got hurt bad. I went to the hospital. Yep. Yep. It was, there's this misconception that Tupac and me had a fight. It, it wasn't that. And it, that's how it ended. It was retribution. It was some yeah, sort yeah. of. Yeah, yeah. He, he said on MT, he said it. He said on MTV on um, your MTV raps, I'll be, I'm looking for those guys. And when I catch him, like, that's how I won the court case because he, he didn't keep his mouth shut. And, um, and eventually, you know, when he got out of prison, before he went to prison, he apologized in Vibe magazine. Famously, he apologized to Quincy Jones as well. Mm-hmm. And as I'm making the movie, I see interviews that I had never seen before with Tabitha Soren on MTV yeah. where he went on, not only apologized, said he hoped that he can work with us. He thought we were great filmmakers. I never heard this before. And I, I'm just glad I did the project because, you know, like Snoop's in the film as well. Snoop was really tight with, with Tupac. As men, we've grown. Mm-hmm. And you have these misunderstandings as, misunderstanding as boys. And it may be ego. It may be whatever's involved. But to get to a place where you go, what happened? You know, and I was just curious. You know, like what happened? How did, how did, this, how did this happen, you know? So that's the conflicted feeling when I guess it was it brought to you that you would be the one to direct a documentary on Tupac and his mom? I mean, or not like that. Okay. The estate approached me about directing a Tupac documentary. I went home for three days. I did not want to do it. I go, let me think about this. And then I've had that aha moment with the mother. So you're the one who came up with the concept of let's find out who he was through the prison of his mom. Yep. Why? Yeah. Why? 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 I, I think it's again, it's your own. It's personal to me, right? You know, and and I'm a I'm not even a closet feminist. I'm a feminist. I'm just wired. That's how I was raised. As hardcore as a Fanny was about social justice and black issues in the community mm-hmm. and breakfast programs and rent strikes and everything she was involved in. Yes, um, my mother was that radical about women's rights, and and I'm wired like that. I, I you know I hear when men call a woman girl, I, it, it hits me like a bad note. You know, mm-hmm. I hear things like a woman. So I, I see things that way, and um, I, that's probably why I did it. You know, why did the estate reach out to you? Did they? Well, did yeah. they? I, right, I mean, bold. Yeah, don't you well, think? I mean, yeah, I mean, they came in to edit. I did a docu series before um, this one called the Defiant One. I've heard of that. Yeah, <laughs> congratulations <laughs> on that, by the way. Oh man, is that how you book Dr. Dre? <laughs> so <laughs> You're right. You're right. Oh my God, you already had the end. Um, and that was like that did so well, and it was great. But Tupac. There was a part three was he was heavily featured in part three. So the state had to come and approve things. Yes. And it was not simple. They are the only estate that came down in the editing room for five hours. And it was a tug of war. They were in the edit room. They came in the edit room like you got to take this out or, you know, negotiated this or that. They were tough. And I, I understand now they both walked out. The two individuals that were from the executing the state uh-huh. who are still there. They were like, you know what? Wow. They they enjoyed the experience and they. And they saw what the show did and how it was a fresh angle on him and taken, and they called me a year later. 
Alan Hughes here on the Rich Eisen Show. Fascinating, man. Uh, Dear Mama, again, about Tupac and his mother um, on uh, FX tonight, and then it'll be on Hulu the next day. You can watch that right here on the Roku platform. So uh, who was your favorite to interview for this documentary? Snoop is always my favorite to interview because he's become such a wise sage, Mm -hmm. and he's such a – I've never met a rock star that can listen with the depth he listens and then add to it. Um, he listens with his heart, and usually these rock stars, they tend to li- they listen with their ego. Yeah. So I'm always, and I go back with Snoop 30 years, but still I'm always uh, leave him when my tank fills up. I feel inspired. I feel like I learned something. But outside of Snoop, I think Tupac's aunt, Glow, mm-hmm. Afeni's only sister, is the revelation as far as storytellers. Um, she is an incredible woman. She just turned 78 yesterday. Mm-hmm. And in this film, you're like, oh, my God, this runs in the family. The honesty, the charisma, the humor. So his aunt, Gloria Cox, is her real name, but we call her Glow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you liked. That's my favorite. So she she would tell you stories about his upbringing and, and just kind of the, the person who you could drive that yes. storytelling through. She was the one. Like the fish rots from the head or lives from the head. <laughs> right. She's the head. And when before I interviewed her on camera, I went to Atlanta and she cooked me some of Tupac's favorite meals, particularly fried chicken, mm-hmm. and mashed potatoes and uh, potato salad and all that good stuff that's not good for us that she does so well. <laughs> and we talked over dinner. And I just was taken with her spirit. She reminds me of Snoop. They have that thing in common. They're great storytellers, very grounded, very salt of the earth, uh, almost mystical in her storytelling abilities didn't know that because she never had to be in the spotlight. She was always behind Afeni willingly and Tupac, but she had to come out and was forced to tell her sister's story because Afeni passed away in 16, mm-hmm. unfortunately. I-, I love Snoop. He's one of my favorite people that I've gotten to meet. He's been here on the show. Um, you know, I-, I just love his, well, I got to meet him through his love of football yep. um, and, and through NFL Network that way and his youth coaching and mm-hmm. you know him going up against Dion's teams every now and then and at the at the <laughs> for a snooper bowl at oh, the super man. bowl he was so kind about uh wanting to be part of my my uh my charity run mm-hmm. uh wanted to put me in a certain uh ver- you know he I think he had Adidas shoe line or something like mm-hmm. that and there was a whole to do about you know it wasn't an official sponsor of the event so I couldn't run in in those shoes and it it was it it kind of gutted me that I couldn't involve him in something so important um, and so charitable because he does have that heart, you know, that he, a lot. He's, he, I love him. He I love is, that guy. He is, I always say, he took the baton from Muhammad Ali when it comes to that worldwide, global feeling of understanding and connectivity and love. You know, 8 to 80, black, white, Asian, Latin, I don't care who you are, everyone's smiling when they see Snoop. He's got that special thing. I'm actually doing his feature film, The Biopic, next. That's my next project. That's your next project. He brought it to me. I was so surprised. Yeah. Why so were you surprised? surprised? I don't know. It's just I'm I I just didn't see it coming. One and also obviously I'm like, I'm sorry. Also I'm like, how come I didn't think of that? Right. Like a feature film, not a documentary, a feature film on his life. You know. So that's so the next feature. project. It's yep. a feature. So he'll play. Himself? Well, we have to go find a Snoop. Okay. Have, it's it's like straight out of Compton, but Snoop. Right. Yeah. We have to go find a Snoop, which is the million dollar. Question. But he'll play himself in his current version, right? I mean, no. Don't you think? Oh no. 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 Okay. No. All That'll right. be interesting. <laughs> that will be. That will absolutely be interesting. Uh, is there anybody you wanted to interview for Dear Mama that refused to do it because there's not enough water underneath the bridge? 
With a lot of people, a lot of family and friends. Some people just camera shy. They just don't do that. Right. Um, I would say his fiance Kadada Jones, who's always been quite reclusive, Quincy Jones's daughter, but she blessed the project and provided photos. So those, a lot of people that didn't do it were, would would bless us with photos and stuff like that. So, right. Now there, for the most part, there was enough water under the bridge, as you say, that people stepped up in ways they couldn't yes. 10 or 15 years ago or didn't have the, now with the hindsight being 2020, you see tonight's episode is part four called The Ambitions of a Rider. A Rider. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it's, um, you'll see the central thesis tonight in, in the piece and you'll see his family and friends, you know, facing some, some difficult things about the journey. Um, so they're all very frank and honest. And uh, is it coincidence or purposeful that the documentary culminates on Mother's Day weekend? Thank God that was, I don't know if FX designed it that way or it landed that way because it was meant to come out a year ago okay. on Mother's Day, premiere on Mother's Day. Right. I ran so far over budget and over schedule, I don't think they'll let me back in that uh, building again. Oh, come on now. <laughs> you're not a diva. You're just a, you're a perfectionist. You're an artist. Uh, you guys have, I know you guys each have a question for him. Yeah, TJ, go ahead. You can TJ, start. you go first. You know, for me, it's, it's not so much just a single question, but you know, you know, looking back in the day with Pac, you know, you had this guy who was so deep, right? Who who would talk about Brenda's got a baby, but then he would flip it, you know, wonder why they call you, you know, whatever. And it was just like, even back then you'd think, how does this stuff come from the same mind of the same man who would, who would be so deep, but then the next breath almost go wild out and just start busting, you know, it's mm-hmm. just like, so what was he like? truly like to to hang with was it like he would flip on occasion or you know what what was it like just to to hang with him well i think that was the thing that made him unique as a man was um especially a young black male he was available to whatever emotion he was in if it was rage he was right there for it if it was love he was right there for it if it was violence he was right there for it i've never seen anyone from hour to hour or from day to day switch up like that and you off keep in mind also he was raised, he was born into the Panthers. Mm-hmm. This 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 was an organization that did not bend knee to authorities or any anyone. So he lived with that um, that volatility inside of him. But I think the trauma he inherited in the wake of his mother's um, uh, the Panther Twenty One trial and the FBI like really decimating that whole crew. They didn't have words for post traumatic stress syndrome and mm-hmm. mental health. Uh, any of that stuff. He was born into all that trauma. And you see why it's when you tonight part four, you'll see in the middle of the series exactly where all that comes from. You just, mm-hmm. you'll see it. You'll see the trajectory of it. Mm. And he's also born. People don't know this. He's not a gangster. He's an artist. Yeah. Before he was a recording artist or an actor. He's a poet, a pure artist. And artists don't see the world like everybody else sees the world. They live in wonderful, sometimes tragic delusions. And, um, that's what we see in him, I think. Yeah. I always think about the hypothetical, uh, you know, with Tupac. Like, do you ever get the sense that he was always destined to kind of pass the way he passed? Or if he could have made it through those tumultuous late 90s and, and made it through 2000, he'd still be with us today. He'd be a multiple Oscar winner. Like, who knows what he could have done? Like, do you ever think about that? And, and what's your take? Always, and you'll see it in the film. The bottom line is he definitely, if he was around, would have been winning Oscars, and that would have been his main art form as a movie star because that's what he had. 
But when you when you meet the kid in real life at mm-hmm. 19, and all he did on a week to week basis is run into fires, yeah, naked, without <laughs> a helmet, a fire repellent suit, just run into fires. I knew back then. I go, this isn't going to end well. Even when you were close and loved him, and you went on the other side of his anger, you could just do the emotional math and see that. It didn't seem he was long for these days, and did, it was very clear. Did he have yeah. somebody in his life telling him that? Oh, everyone tried to tell him. He didn't listen to anyone. <laughs> but there were sober moments where he would listen to you, but it would flip. And I think that has to do with the trauma that was untreated. You know that that we, again, we didn't talk about mental health in the nineties, eighties, seventies. That was not even a word, a phrase. You know, is that why death row was appealing to him? Death row was appealing to him for for many reasons. He had just got shot, obviously in in New York. Right. He's feeling some kind of way about the East Coast. And you got to remember in the 90s in hip-hop, it was like it, it was the five crime families. If you weren't with one, you weren't going to survive long. And Tupac was a lone wolf for the first three years of his career. And he also wanted to get out and, and just, like, let's stop with the BS. Let's just rock star out. Dr. Dre's there. There's a whole gang there that can muscle me up. I'll feel protected. And it was meant to be uh, transit. Like, he was just moving moving through Death Row, delivered three albums, and then he was on Move On because he had bigger and better plans for his, his culture and his community. But unfortunately, you know, that role he was in yeah. um, took him out, possibly. You know? So that, that's the, that was the last, you know, you kind of got, you know, hopped on one of the last two questions I was going to ask you. And, you know, I've got Alan Hughes here as we wrap up this conversation. Dear Mama on FX, episode four or five tonight is, you know, walk me through what Tupac would would be doing today. Like what? Like, let's let's totally go through the looking glass here and fantasize if he was alive. What would Tupac Shakur look like and be doing today? Rich, can I, I ask Alan before you even answer that? Because when you listen to a lot of his songs and his lyrics, like, for instance, my every move is a calculated step to bring me closer to embracing early death. I would sit and listen to this. It almost seemed like to me, this man knew his time on earth wasn't long. And, and, and yeah. he said it no, in I, almost every, yeah. so did, did he even think that he would make it long enough to it, grow? It, it, it's no. I mean, by everyone's estimation, mm-hmm. family and friends, that's what surprised me. Everyone says he, he didn't look at life that way. He, he, his mother even says that. It was it was by design the way he was working because mm-hmm. he didn't plan on being here. But if he was, if he had been here, I think Denzel would have some stiff competition. That's the level. You really of, think yeah, so? Oh yeah, he's well, he I was mean, that you, talented. You, you would know. So yeah. I mean, yeah, really, he was that talented yeah. at, at acting. Denzel think? and Tupac share one thing in common, and I've seen them all. I've been with world class pimps, charismatics all over the world as mm-hmm. uh, storytellers, whatever you want to, the it thing, you know, in the streets or in, in the music business. Yeah. Denzel and Tupac possess. I've never seen it when they walk in a room, the, the emotional intelligence is off the charts. The social intelligence is off genius level of social intelligence. The difference is it's Denzel's uh, wise and very controlled with his emotions and can control his emotions. Yes. Tupac can't, but they've, Tupac would have been one of our greatest leading men, would have been a multiple Academy Award winner, and the music would have been secondary. I'm sure he would have still continued doing music, but mm-hmm. he would be he would be huge in the in the film film world. And then last one for you, Alan Hughes, uh, what would um, what would he say if he knew you were the one telling his story in 2023 through his mother? 
What would he what would he say to that, do you think? I think he'd be moved by that because that's what he felt for his mother. I think he'd be moved by um you know, there's the good, the bad and the unapologetic and the ugly in, in the piece. And he was very honest about all his stuff. So mm-hmm. I don't think I took any um cheap shots because that's just not who I am. Sure. But I tried to paint a full picture of all the complexities, not provide all the answers either, because there are no all getting the answers at one time. Mm-hmm. They're just challenging the audience to think in different ways. And I think he'd be moved by that because we started with him and understood that thing he had. And now I understand what his journey was. And now I have compassion for him. I just didn't have before. So you, through this project, have a more compassion and understanding about what happened between the two of you? Oh, 100%. And I didn't even think that that would come about. That just happened organically. Maybe the last few months I've been able to go, oh, wow, it's been a cathartic experience for me. I'm super proud of the journey, super proud of what I got to do for my my friend. Um, And this is my way of olive branching and saying, uh, here he is. I don't think anyone's ever gotten it right. I tried my best to get it right. And I think he would be proud. I think he would be. Sir, uh, I appreciate you coming on here. Um, We could do an entire hour on every other project that you have as well. So please uh, come back here and let's let's keep chopping it up. Thank you for having me. Anytime. Um, Best dad ever. That's correct. (laughs) That's it. it. That'll be your next uh, documentary on my my parenting. Uh, Dear Mama airs Fridays, and that includes tonight, 10 Eastern on FX streams the next day on Hulu. The great Alan Hughes is here on the Rich Eisen Show at Hughes Number Two Society on Twitter to follow this man and everything else that's going on in his life. We'll be back with more in a moment right here on the Rich Eisen Show to wrap up this show and week. Let's talk O'Reilly Auto Parts, people, or as you might know from their jingle, O-O-O O'Reilly Auto Parts. They're in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offers friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs because you know when you need your car fixed, you need somebody who knows what they're talking about and is helpful, has a smile on their face, and gets you back on the road. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you just... Find the right battery for your vehicle. Need your windshield wipers replaced, a brake light fix, or a quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. Whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice, you will find the employees at O'Reilly Auto Parts knowledgeable, helpful, and the best of all, friendly. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash Eisen. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash Eisen. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen back sitting at the rich eisen show desk right here furnished by granger with supplies and solutions for every industry granger is the right product for you call clickgranger.com or just stop by great stuff right there with alan hughes 
on uh, the Tupac documentary that's going down tonight on FX. So while we were having that conversation, Robert Sala, head coach of the New York Jets, held his post-draft press conference. Press conferences. May 5th press conference. You were so excited. Does he know where Garrett Wilson is? Oh, boy. (laughs) I'll ask him that Monday, unless you want to when he comes on the show, smartass. (laughs) I'll give you the floor. You want me to keep this level up here, right? So I'm happy to do it. Garrett Wilson. I'm happy to do it. Just maybe he's not into the Knicks. I don't know. Garrett Wilson could Maybe. be working out in no, and Tulum Wilson, or something. He, he loves the Cleveland Cavaliers, and he was upset the Knicks bounced him. I'm doesn't, not going to a game with you, but I love Aaron. I'll teammate. catch passes from you. As a matter of fact, that's all the, that, that's that video you see over and over again of Rodgers, that beautiful part in his hair, throwing a ball, perfect spiral to number 17, like the old days. Just this one's named Wilson, not Adams. So let's go. Robert Salo has asked, what has he seen from Rodgers in practice so far? Uh, it's been good. You know, he's, um, you know, I've never been around a quarterback quite like him personally. And uh, uh, all his experience, his communication, um, every play, just talking to the receivers, talking to the backs, uh, his demeanor in the meetings, all of that stuff. I mean, he is a, uh, uh, he's, he's almost, he, he practically is another coach out there. It's, he's, he's pretty impressive. Robert, I'm guessing when you guys had that brief window to talk to him, that you weren't pressing him about whether he'd be here for the spring program. So how nice is it that it seems like he is all in, so to speak, and, and he has been kind of ready? Personally, and I don't know if it's the right thing to say, I was never worried about whether or not he was going to be here. I always felt like he, if he did want to be here, he was going to be here if he did decided to be a Jed because he is so competitive and he does understand that he has to get everybody on the same page. So in my mind of... Um, you just see a fire in the guy's eye when you're sitting and talking to him. Like, yeah, he's, he's going to do everything. He's, he's coming with a, um, he's coming to win, and that's uh, and you can just feel it in his, his voice. You can see it in his eyes and, and the way he's going about his business. Guys, I mean, look. Why is he taking shots at Zach Wilson? I know, right? <laughs> I know, and every quarterback he's ever been around, name yeah. name the forty nine er. He's there, probably man. sitting there. He's probably sitting there googling where's Salabin so I can look at who the quarterback was and act like him saying I've never been around a quarterback quite like this one is a slight. Yeah, no, he means being a coach on the field and having the veteran presence, Chris. That's what he means. You think so? Yeah. Oh, okay. You know. What day is it? I don't know. It's kind of. It's just kind of funny. I it's cannot funny. wait for the Jets to play the Patriots. Sure, Bro, we're going to find wait. out. That's the thing you keep hearing about because, you know, eventually, you know, the hype will keep rising. <laughs> yeah. There's going to be an organized team activity. He may miss and what's going on and they'll be fine. And then there's the mandatory one that'll show up and he'll talk. And it'll be great. And then training camp opens. And then, as we all are assuming... Um, you know, hard knocks will be knocking on the door, and I then be, be we might see them the every yeah. week during the summer, and then know. rubber will eventually meet road, or rubber will eventually hit tarmac, and we will find out again in six days, one week from today, we will know the order of the games that are currently on the screen, just broken up. For road and home. They've got nine at home, eight on the road. And Mahomes is coming to Jersey. Herbert's coming to Jersey. Jalen Hurts is coming to Jersey. 
Allen and Tua and Bailey Zappi's coming to New Jersey, and you know, yeah. and you know, whoever's Desmond Ritter's coming to Jersey, and C.J. Stroud's coming to Jersey, and we're assuming Sam Howell's coming to Jersey. I mean, I only see one for sure loss, so you could go like nah, sixteen and one. And, to be with and then you, Rich. they've got to go to Denver and the Raiders because that's the, what always happens. And Rodgers is going to Dallas, and then the Jets and the Giants play each other. They go to Cleveland, and then of course visiting. Alan, Tua, and Bailey Zappi. So that's all coming. Don't project onto me. I'm not projecting. Don't project. I'm, pro- I'm just, oh, I'm, so, I'm sorry. Mac Jones. I don't know what, what I say. Where are you slipping? Probably. I don't know. Mac it depends Jones. on who operates the quick game better. Look, bottom line is we're going to find this out, and the hype train is leaving the oh, station. So hype and right Aaron <laughs> Rodgers is sitting courtside and rinkside and becoming the – Elder chaperone of Sauce Gardner and rubbing elbows with Jessica Alba, and I am here for all of it. So good. So same intensity, Chris, when we find out when the Jets play the Patriots, but most importantly, when we have our next guest on the program Monday. First up, Robert Sala of the New York Jets. I'm ready. No, you're not. <laughs> I don't think you are. What do you want me to ask? Garrett Wilson? I'll no, ask nope. Garrett. I want to ask about Garrett Wilson. Nope. <laughs> Your microphone will be cut off. <laughs> Come on. Your L.A. privileges will be revoked. Come on.